you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. In the darkest corners of the internet, a nameless, formless entity has been growing. No one dares question where it was created or what it wants, but those who have been entranced by its musings chant its blood-curdling name in unison. Find Horror Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at hmnpodcast.com. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. For good times, the best times, you can't go Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. All right, well, we heard some jazz music. We saw some black and white clips. That can only mean one thing. Gelsey Laurie's here to talk about Before My Time with Gelsey Laurie. Yes, yes, I am. All the black and white clips always mean that I am up next. So last, my life is in black and white. <laughs> so last year for Christmas, we put out our episode on white Christmas. I'm going to lean forward because I look like I'm being eaten by this couch. <laughs> last year, we put out our episode on white Christmas and you found out that I had never seen Holiday Inn. And you were like, we have to fix that because we technically wouldn't have white Christmas without Holiday Inn. Um, so right. I found a copy of it. I found a three disc dvd for three dollars at a used cd store that came with a black and white version of it a colorized version of it and the full soundtrack was the third disc uh, i own that um i don't know where it is i think it's at my parents house so i unfortunately could not watch that edition but i i do have are, that three disc are you sure you didn't sell it to the cd warehouse in pittsburgh <laughs> actually i did i stopped there and i didn't tell you and i was like i'm gonna plant this here and one day matt kelly will find it and we will record a podcast on it <laughs> uh but yeah so we'll just address this right out the front we're probably not going to talk too much about the abraham scene in this. we will not yeah i i did you matt you text me and said how do you want to address this and uh 
folks, this movie was made in 1942, and I'm not saying it was okay then. It's definitely not okay now, but there is a blackface number in it. It just was a part of the history of entertainment that our nation went through, and we now at this point can look back and say, no, 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 shame, yeah. shame, shame. But yeah. we're not really going to address it because if you have listened to our podcast before, we're not very political. We just yeah. talked about the oldie timesy things. So yeah, we try to stay away yeah. from social and political conversations and just talk about vintagey things. Um, but I will say that something that caught me off guard was I was like, Man, it feels like 1942 is slightly dated for this. But, but anyway, continuing on, when you exclude that, which I do think that that scene does kind of like suck the air out of the room for a couple seconds when you're watching it in 2022. Otherwise, yeah. it is a really delightful movie. Um, it's one of my favorites. I think I'll play my card early here. I do think I like White Christmas more. Um, but mm. that is strictly from a, I think White Christmas has an easier plot to swallow than, than mm. Holiday Inn's. Holiday Inn is entirely based on suspension of disbelief from like moment one and beyond. Um, but I saw you post about it online the other day. This has, without a doubt, one of the best dance moments i've ever seen in my entire life it's fred astaire's best dance moment let alone yes the best i think dance moment in any film um <clears throat> excuse me and we will get to that i do you know it, it's hard to compare this to white christmas because they are what almost 10 years apart <laughs> in filming sequels in a weird mm, sort of you've way. said that before and i don't I agree they did use the same set that they designed for holiday Inn. they oh, did just... recycle that I mean, I don't it, think but... the characters are the same, but I, I feel like it's it's very like in the same way that like the second season of American Horror Story is a <laughs> okay. sequel to Murder House. But I wouldn't call that a sequel. That's like a volume of an addition. I mean, there you go. I know what you mean. Of, yeah, I mean the big picture for, of it. Absolutely. It's a Christmas movie. Um, you got Bing Crosby in both, you got Irving Berlin writing all the movies. So, you know, of course that's that's how it's gonna feel, and the vibe is very the same in that stance but um let's like i'll uh if you have not seen holiday in a quick synopsis it is a irving berlin musical film starring bing crosby as jim and fred astaire as ted they are a vaudevillian kind of act uh jim has a partner lila and they plan to quit and go to a country hotel and get married but lila falls in love with fred astaire and leaves Jim. So Jim still goes with a broken heart to this country inn. And he realizes that, um, you know, he's tired of dancing and, and entertaining and doing all the work. And one of my favorite lines, because if you also don't know, I am a former uh, entertainer myself, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. So uh, my favorite line in the whole movie is uh, Bing Crosby says, what happens in shows business when a holiday comes along, you give an extra performance. And couldn't be any more true. I just had this conversation this year. I'm working on, I worked on Thanksgiving. I work on Christmas day this year performing. And my brother-in-law could not understand why I was working and who, what monster was making me work. And I said, Hey, it's, okay. it's entertainment. That's what we do. And, and again, the holiday comes along, we give an extra performance and that's been my entire life. So I absolutely love that. And I can understand kind of wanting to take a step back, but when he goes to this uh, farm he realizes he's working just as hard if not harder tending the animals keeping the place up and it kind of does a nice little montage 1942 style of showing the different holidays and he's still working his ass off so 
he decides to turn this in into a holiday inn, hence the name, and only give performances on holidays. Now, I just want to take a little side note here. That is not strategically, financially a smart no, idea. I was I, like, I how was... are you making money? Well, and they also, like, I think there's three holidays that they do in the month of February, and then there's, like, nothing until Easter, and then it jumps yeah. to July. Like, you're going months without any income coming into this business. Uh, these must be, like, thousand very expensive tickets tickets. very expensive and i like how also uh, we're getting ahead of us let me finish the plot real quick all right so um he goes to open this in the holidays and there's a woman linda played by marjorie reynolds and she's looking for a big break in the entertainment so she gets sent up to the holiday inn books it linda and jim bing crosby and marjorie start this in they do all the performances uh fred astaire's character ted comes one night up sad and drunk after being dumped by lila who she's just the runaround town girl and he drunkenly (laughs) dances with linda which we will talk about that scene it's it's absolutely brilliant but he was too drunk to remember what she looks like so then kind of the rest of the movie he's continuously going back to all the performances trying to find this partner because he wants to have a new dance partner he's like we're gonna be huge he does find linda they go off to hollywood leaving Bing Crosby behind. Bing Crosby does the classic, go after the girl, meets her on the set of a movie she's doing, which is actually kind of a movie within a movie. They are almost (laughs) making Holiday Inn within Holiday Inn. And uh, he surprises her. She's like, oh, I love you. And then they all go back and uh, live happily ever after. So that's the the brief synopsis with a couple interludes. Um, I I want to ask a question that you may or may not know. I couldn't find the answer to this. But mm-hmm. you did mention that there's like this movie within a movie, right? Like she, mm-hmm. he goes to the movie set. To your knowledge, was this one of the first times that they actually showed like a little bit of the wizard behind the curtain on how a movie was shot? Like that feels like that was really novel for that time. That wasn't mm, I'm, at all. I don't know off the top of my head what would be the first, but I, I a thousand percent know this would not be the first time. Okay. Because, you know, this is made in 1942. All the movies think of the 30s. Um, I know, again, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I know there was movies in the 30s kind of about being a star and breaking through. And That's true. Even, That's I true. mean, all the Fred and Ginger movies, I'm sure. They're, they're, yeah, there's the golden age of Hollywood is was just in its prime. And so um, it's such an interesting fourth wall break to me. Like it is. And it's like, they just use the set. It's kind of cool. Cause you know, they use the set that they actually use as the in and they're like, this is the inset, but just zooming out with the booms. So like, Ooh, kind of like it almost breaks the reality of the movie in a, in an mm-hmm. almost intentional kind of way, I guess is what mm-hmm. I mean. Like, Oh no, we're going to pull, we're going to pull the camera back just far enough within the plot of the movie to show you how we shot this movie <laughs> like it's it's very yeah it's very cool but man there are it works it's awesome like, i love it it's it's a great plot there's like one or two times where i was like oh holy matte painting <laughs> like there's like i think the the easter one it's like you're like oh the oh, paint yeah. is not even dry on that thing behind. oh yeah no it's definitely like very um and that's oh you just left me in a nice fork in the road of two transitions matt we're gonna bookmark the Easter song. Um, but we will talk about the set design that they did. That was all in studio, obviously. And they reused it for white Christmas, but the outside exterior filming that they did, they actually did use, um, it's called the village Inn resort in Monte Rio and Russian river, Sonoma, California. And that a 
if anyone's listening and wants to take me on a cute little vacation, I want to go there so bad, but they, they use that. And I don't know what the name of this little inn was before, but now it is the, um, village. They changed it to, to kind of match the movie. Um, where am I going with this? I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the inn was used 12 years later. That's it. 12 years later for White Christmas. But then this is a fun little fact. The chain of motels that we so lovely know, the Holiday Inn, was based off of this film. They oh, were inspired really? to... Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. they named it after the movie. So, it, and, and that was the other reason, why, I guess, why in my head I'm like, this is almost like a sequel to White Christmas because the second that Bing Crosby walks into the Holiday Inn... I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like I've seen this before. Like, like me and my friend who were watching it, it was our first time watching it. And it was my friend Sean who had introduced me to White Christmas a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. And like as soon as they walked in, we both looked at each other and I'm like, that's the hotel from White Christmas. <laughs> no, I have to ask, did you watch the black and white version or the colored version? I went with the colorized version. Um, mm -hmm. because and and I am very impressed. I usually don't they like... did a beautiful job. No, they, yeah. they really I watched the behind the scenes on it. I was gonna say this year I watched the black and white version. I love both for different reasons, but when they went in and colorized the whole thing, which the process it's it's incredible. It, it, the time and dedication it takes and the monotonous little tedious details, but they went through and found every single note that they could about the movie when it was made. They got all the production notes, all the costume notes to get all the coloring as accurate as possible to the original fabric colors and so forth, which I think is really awesome that they kept it so authentic. Yeah. And with a little bit of the plot, something that really caught me off guard, um, this movie kept me on my toes for sure. Because like you said, there's the scene where, and, and let's just talk about the scene because it is a brilliant scene when Fred Astaire shows up drunk and he's having this yes. like incredible dance number where he is killing the dance moves while also simultaneously acting like he's sloppy drunk while trying he to- He was do sloppy. He was sloppy drunk when he filmed that. Oh, he actually yeah. got drunk for so it. So Fred Astaire, yeah, I read his autobiography, which mm -hmm. is very good. I highly recommend it. And I'm about halfway through Ginger Rogers. But um. I thought it only fair to read the other side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a very, if you do it, you actually do it kind of a performer. Um, he grew up in vaudeville with his sister, Adele. They were dance partners since they were children and just crushed it on the vaudeville circuit and, and moved up and up until he then moved to New York, kind of did that. And then later met Ginger and he met Ginger earlier. And then years later, they kind of got connected in Hollywood and then became the Fred and Ginger pair that we so love. But um Fred had bourbons in between each take. So he would have a shot of bourbon because he's like, I really want it. And he's just that good that he he has confidence that his body just knows what to do. I mean, he is without a doubt the most incredible dancer in history. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, I've said it before on this podcast. My sister and I have a, a Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire off. She's like, Gene Kelly's a better dancer. And I'm like, I disagree. Don't get me wrong. Gene Kelly's incredible. But Fred Astaire's musicality and his just, there's something about his swag, if you will, that is there, incredible. The, this was my second Fred Astaire. My first one was Top Hat. Um, Do you you've never wait 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 wait? This is your only only your second film you've ever seen with Fred Astaire. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, we're changing that so hard because okay. I'm gonna like <laughs> we're gonna go through all the Fred and Ginger movies just so you have to watch them. Follow right. the fleet. Yeah, that is not twisting my arm, but yes, go and subscribe to Before My Time if you want to hear more of that. But yeah, I will go off on Fred. But anyways, he um he had a bourbon in between each swagger to him. He, when he yeah, 
it's so good. And um, this drunk scene, he he had a bourbon in between each take, and it was the final seventh that was used in the final cut. So he's probably seven bourbon deep in that shot, and it's perfect. One of my favorite parts, um, too. It's there's kind of a moment he spins, um. Linda, played by Marjorie Reynolds, around him, and she's going for her. Shanae turns around the back of him, and he kind of, like, it's so well done. How he kind of is like, "Where'd she go?" and and looks, but she fits right back in perfectly in the timing of that. Um, and then there is kind of that moment, that mockery moment, where she's following him around and kind of mocking yeah. him, and then kind of behind looking at him, like, "What are you? What are you doing? What's what's going on?" And and I just love. I that would have been a fly on the wall scene to watch. You know if especially if, if he's a bit drunk in real life and she's sober and uh, I'm sure it was fun, but um, yeah, that was, that was great. But uh, I do want to go back real quick. Well, let's, let's talk about Marjorie Reynolds um, since we're on her. Yeah. So the film, Gorgeous. the oh, stunning, stunning girl. And this kind of was a breakthrough movie for her. She had done a lot of like Penny Westerns before and was, that's where her career was at. But the studio, they really fought for Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. And they are very expensive, obviously, at this time, too. Both very established. Fred Astaire has been crushing Hollywood for probably 10 years now. And um, they kind of blew their budget on them. And so they wanted to get, you know, there was talks of doing Ginger Rogers, um, Rita Hayworth, but they they couldn't afford another big star. So they went with kind of the more Cinderella story, if you will, unknown actresses. And that's where Marjorie Reynolds comes in. Uh, she probably got paid <laughs> not a lot, but yeah, it did start her career and she had a great career after this. So that's so awesome. I love hearing movies that give people a start because <laughs> we need it. Stop getting the big names. Help us. Um, but she didn't sing. Um, Martha Mears was her voice for all her singing voice. And I looked up Martha Mears quite interesting enough. Um, she did like everyone's voice. She was a singing voiceover actor. She had a radio career, but she has sang in films for quite a few for Marjorie Reynolds. She did Veronica Lake. She sang for Lucille Ball. She's sang for Ava Gar um, Gabor, uh, Rita Hayworth, tons. As Rita Hayworth a few times in a few different movies. So that's kind of was her career was singing for these actresses. Ooh, Hedy Lamarr in My Favorite Spy, 1951. Um, go back to uh, Singing in the Rain, a movie we've covered in the past. Yes. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's it's it really did happen because in those days, I mean, not every film was a musical, but it was a lot more prominent than it is now where we're trying to be like, hey, we're doing a musical. Um, so you know, you kind of had to be a triple threat, but they also wanted the beautiful angelic face. I don't know what this woman's acting ability was. I have seen a photo of her. I think she's a gorgeous woman, I'm not saying, but to the 1930s, 40s, over the top glamorized Hollywood starlet look. You know, I was like, ah, this makes sense. You know, it's like, why wouldn't she just be this, the front? And it happened a lot in, oh, in Hollywood. It was all about that. I think just a couple months ago on our Twilight Zone episode, the, the exactly. Iron Exactly. I was the just woman, thinking that. Yeah. The woman yes. in the eye of the beholder segment was not deemed pretty enough for a sketch mm -hmm. about how beauty is not the most <laughs> important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The woman that's the actress that's bandaged up is not the woman when they reveal the beautiful because she wasn't quote unquote pretty enough and, and then you look her up um, and you're like oh this woman is gorgeous by like literally any standard but like showbiz folks 30s to 50s hollywood standards uh, yeah yeah that's that's how it is but um so yeah, what, what shocked me though is that you have this drunken dance scene mm -hmm. i really thought that they were going to stretch out 
the two of them figuring out that it was Linda. But the fact that it's literally a month later, you know, it's from New Year's Eve to Valentine's Day. And then I was like, oh, well, now I have no clue where this movie is about to go because. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Which that um, be careful. It's my heart is the song that he sings for Valentine's Day, which I absolutely love. It's it is one of my favorite songs. Bing Crosby sings it on the piano. And that's when he's going, hey, I, I wrote you a song. It's you know, kind of relevant to us. Yeah. I wrote know, you a phone uh, that I love. Please don't dance with my best friend behind my back. Yeah, be careful. It's my heart. Don't. Yeah. And uh, she's listening to it in front of Sarah Caesar and grabs her and starts dancing. And he tells her, you know, be quiet. And they have this, it's a beautifully shot number where you're facing, Bing Crosby's facing the camera, playing the piano, playing the song, <laughs> pouring his heart out saying, don't break my heart while um, Fred Astaire is dancing with his woman behind. And this kind of deceit, literally behind his back so literally behind his back this beautiful dance number is going on while he's pouring out on the piano i just i props kisses to the chef on that shot there was one of the shots where they're silhouetted too where i'm like if she Mm -hmm. can him like you get like it is the, the drama you get sucked in although i this is maybe this is crotchety we'll die alone matt kelly complaining here but i'm like you've been You've known her for a month and you're engaged to her already, you crazy man. <laughs> it does, you know, it does happen. You got to remember, it's oldie timesies, Matt. They, they, uh, I guess they got engaged a lot quicker back then because they're like, oh, I'm at the ripe age of 26. I'm a spinster. Who wants me? There's a word for what I am now. Now that I'm like into my 30s single, it's like I'm not even a spinster anymore. I was like, oh shit, I, I've surpassed spinster. I've looked it up before, but it's great. I did think that too. They're just getting engaged left and right, but, uh, uh, I guess it makes business easier to be engaged to your dance partner. Especially if you think anyway. about it from the logistics that she only comes down for the holiday show. So they've met twice. At okay, that. Yeah. I've also thought about that where she, she makes a comment when she's getting picked up at the station to be put back. And she's like, Oh, I, I do this, you know, once a month, this trip or something like that. Like we need a car. Um, lies. If they're putting on the production that they are and they act like, like they she's like driving in the day of, I'm like, when did you rehearse this elaborate number? The biggest question came to me when they do Abraham's birthday on February 12th. And then she leaves to come back for Valentine's Day on February I'm like, aren't there bedrooms upstairs? Can't you just stay there? Especially if you work there. Like you are the lead star. Maybe you should just kind of like live there. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the one I'd like to see. She had to commute from the 12th to the 14th just to drive home to turn around and come on back for rehearsals. Like it the things we do for our art, Matt. The things we do. Yes. Yeah. Um, but back to be careful, it's my heart. That was the expected song to be the hit. Irving Berlin was really putting his money on that being their number one ballad. And it did do very well, but as we know, it was surpassed by White Christmas. The song White Christmas is premiered in this film. And if you'd like to know more about uh, the song itself, you can check out our episode 32 on the music of World War II, where I dive into the song White Christmas, Bing Crosby, and kind of what that looked like at that time. But don't forget, that's right, this film started getting made in 1940, or that's when the contract um, was signed. And then November 18th, 1941 is when filming began, and it was... Re- um, Completed January 30th, 1942. We entered World War II in 1941. December 7th was Pearl Harbor attack, which just passed the other day, the anniversary. Mm. But um, we are in the middle of a, We joined the war during the filming of this. So White Christmas just had this huge effect. Again, you can go back and listen to those past episodes. But in a nutshell, 
holiday music had never been on the charts before. Before White Christmas, holiday music was the more religious, the more, you know, hymn kind of music that we had. And they didn't think that holiday music could chart and they it, it was never thought to. After White Christmas, it blew up. Everyone had a record at home. Everyone overseas had a record. So it kind of doubled the sales. And it became, I think it just during that time, it was the right time for this song to be released because it hit that heartstring of what the mm. nation was going for. And it was kind of the longing of the holidays, the family and blah dee da dee da So that did great. It um, released October 1942 and it stayed on the charts for 11 weeks. Yeah, I'm trying but, um, to remember the exact quote, but there was a quote that I heard that was like, every household had two copies of it. One for one was owned by the kid at war who bought it when he was missing his family back home. And one was bought by the family missing their kid off to war type vibe. And that's mm -hmm. how it is still to this day. I'm pretty sure the best selling single of all time. It, yeah. Oh no, it got surpassed in the nineties. Uh, when Elton John re-released candle, oh, candle in the wind, Princess Diana, which Die. I read that and I'm like, I, that's because it was tied to princess die. And I think that was such a big, I mean, I remember when that happened and it was like, Ugh. but I love Elton John candle in the wind's a beautiful song, but really, I was like, really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, I remember at one point it was glee had surpassed the Beatles for the most number one singles. And I was just like, that makes me so upset. <laughs> Cause Wait, like glee, like yeah, the, the show show glee because they were releasing like a single a week for like five years and like people were downloading it and they were counting digital downloads for the first time but i feel like now people are like yeah we're not acknowledging that the beatles are still the best yeah. selling group no. of all time. Like, <laughs> that's yeah and glee's not a real group it's whatever yeah. um you can't tour yeah. <laughs> yeah but speaking of world war ii um there are stories some aren't necessarily vouched it's it's hard to know what's true or not but because there were rations that went into place with uh war rations it is said that edith head who designed the costumes and is a huge you know really infamous costume designer for most big oldie timesy hollywood movies she made all of ginger's dresses and and whatnot um but that she had to go up and find and snatch up every last bead to make the dresses for this movie and that there were a lack of balloons so the producers had to track down all the rest of the balloons in la for the big fourth of july scene which i believe that would be true and that brings us to the fourth of july celebration at the holiday inn and uh bing crosby comes out and sings a song all God's children. And they go into this war video montage. And I've read a lot on the internet. People are like, it kind of doesn't fit. It's kind of weird, but it feels like they kind of had to add it in and because did to be like, ha ha, yeah, you know, because we were in the middle of a war and, yeah. and supporting. Yeah. And it shows, you know, America's values and military. And it almost has a very like, do your part where it's like subliminally put in the movie. Um, and that leads us, though, to our favorite dance number of all times. And this is so in the plot, Fred Astaire is supposed to dance with Marjorie Reynolds at this Fourth of July. And there's big Hollywood producers to watch them to then maybe offer them something which would take them to L.A. Bing Crosby is in love with her and doesn't want that to happen. So he tells the driver who's going to pick her up at the station and bring her to take the long way, you know, basically stall and not get her there on time. So he drives her into the water and it's a whole scene. It's but uh, when she gets picked up by Lila um, and she's like, oh, I know a shortcut. Yeah. And, and then she kind of does it to her. Car, oh, my God. <laughs> it's great. Loud. It was so good. Yeah, um, She basically gets driven into the water by the um, driver, Gus. And she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, pick me up. And so then she kind of figures out what's going on. 
But then Lila comes to make up with Fred Astaire, the old partner. And she's like, I don't want that to happen because she's so she does the same thing to her and, and drives her right into the water next to where she was. So it's it's a great aha scene. But um, basically, Fred Astaire's character, um, Ted Hanover, is left. He's expecting this big production that him um, and Linda have rehearsed for these producers and he's left solo. So he's backstage. He sees some firecrackers and you see him, you know, little wheels turning moment where he's like, okay, I, I'm going to go make something up. And he goes out and does the most incredible dance tap dancing with the firecrackers in his pocket. He's got this real cool sleeves rolled up, pants rolled up, scarf, casual, you know, to that day standard uh, costuming on and his hands are in his pocket. He's got a half lit cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And Dances the most incredible dance while throwing firecrackers on the floor and dancing with them as they pop. It's it took two days to film this one number and it took 38 takes. And he it's just if, if you don't watch the movie, do yourself a favor and just YouTube this one, just holiday in firecracker dance. Do yourself I a favor. Could not like I was like jaw on the ground watching it. I, it's in, I it's it's it so mind much. blowing. I literally yeah. put it, if you if you were tuning in right before here, I threw a very quick segment of it in the uh, sleigh ride bumper that played right before we started because I was just like, this is so cool. Like he is just. It is. It's just. It's it's cool. That's it's dangerous. It's like the. It's like one of those things where I watch it. I'm like, this seems like, you know, the bad boy of the bad boy of dance. <laughs> Fred is there like tap dancing around fireworks going off or whatever. Like, would you do that? Would you do like a tap number surrounded by fireworks? Not, I've like signed up to literally be lit on fire. That is true. Of course I, I would. You're, you're the same in the insane one. I'm the, I'm the one who's like, I never broke a bone. Cause I didn't take a risk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, let's see what I could. No, no, no. It's all for the art. I get it. No, it's, it's really awesome. And I, I remember even in Fred's book, him kind of talking about the creation of that and thinking and how he would come up with his dance numbers through his whole career and just kind of hit the studio. And it, it's, you know, if you're really into old films like I am and specifically dancing films, specifically Fred Astaire, um, I do, I would recommend his autobiography kind of through his words. It's great. Um, I do want to go back as well to kind of the song list. But when I said you left me in a fork in the road, we went left. We're now going to go right. And you had mentioned the paint drying on the Easter set, which takes me to the song Easter Parade. Most of the songs here, about 12 songs are originals written for this film. But Easter Parade was already a song Irving Berlin had from 1933 in a Broadway review called As Thousands Cheer. They used it again in this movie, obviously. And then it led to the 1948 film Easter Parade with, again, Fred Astaire and Judy Garland, which is one of my annual traditions on Easter time. So I'm sure we'll touch up on that one. Yeah. We haven't done that yet, have we? No. We have I'm getting to that point when I like... Yeah, we'll we'll have to do it. I'm getting to a point when I forget what we've done or not because it's That's cool. We've, we've got we've it is done a good so sign. Many. Um, we have done so many, but yeah, the, the the Easter Parade song is fine. I do want to bring up something that that we may have skipped over though because we did jump to July and now we're jumping back to April. But yes. it isn't, if I recall correctly, it isn't just that Bing Crosby doesn't want Linda to leave to go to Hollywood, but doesn't he also kind of overhear Fred Astaire essentially scheming like borderline the, the, the vibe being like, and when she's away with me in Hollywood, she'll fall in love with me and leave Bing Crosby <laughs> type thing. Pretty much. I mean, it sounds like that's, that's 
Like, his character is that he likes to marry his partners, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, am I supposed to like Fred Astaire's character even remotely in this movie? No, and that's something I read another blog review about this movie that was talking about things that was like, you know, it's interesting that this is a holiday movie because they're like, it's about people that aren't that great of people doing things that aren't that great. No, like the plot yeah. is all very mischievous and conniving in, in all senses. I mean, even Bing Crosby trying to keep Linda from Fred Astaire, like from him recognizing him and he's keeping her from this career of a choice. And she even gets mad at him going, you were trying to keep me from performing for big producers and you didn't even give me that chance for myself. It That's really kind of not a nice thing to do. And I'd be just as pissed as well. But then also Fred Astaire kind of is sneezing. I mean, the first scene is Bing Crosby's character and his partner. And he's like, oh, did you you know, we're going to go off to this little country farm and get married. And then he leaves and Fred Astaire comes in. And he's like, did you tell her or tell him? Like, did you say, tell him that you're not getting engaged and that you're actually going to get engaged to me? And it's like right away just sets the tone. And and I read that even the ending of this film is not necessarily a happily ever after. There's some resolution, but you're just like, uh, for now, it's you That's, know not this permanent. I think I looked at my friend. I'm like, am I supposed to be happy that Layla is back in the picture and with Fred? Yeah. Like like, yeah, I, and it's like she, oh, she tried out the millionaire guy that she ran off with and was like, obviously something didn't work. She's like, okay, fine, I'll come back to you. And I love in the song, um, they sing I'll Capture Your Heart singing, which they start the movie with and then they kind of reprise it at the end. And it's the basis of the song. It's kind of a vaudevillian act is uh, Lila's character is, you know, shuffling along and Fred and Bing's characters are trying to, in the song, in the performance, woo her and so obviously bing crosby's like i'll capture your heart singing and fred's coming in just wait until she gets a load of my dancing and so they're trying to dance and sing her heart but when they reprise it one of my favorite lines is uh oh look here she comes miss hit and run and they call her the hit and run and i just and my mom and i laugh every time it's it's a great line but that's Irving Berlin is, I think I texted you last week where I was like in all caps and i've said this so many times on the podcast but i was like he is the best songwriter of all times. Yeah. Oh, one of the just, one of the greatest he, to ever do it. He continuously just blows me away. And I know his music so well. I already knew that. And every time I learn something new or just re-listen to a song differently, I'm like, oh my God, how like he's insane. So let's get to the holiday that we haven't brought up during this Christmas live stream, but the Christmas of it all. <laughs> uh, so holiday in, that is the one thing that I will say is that it is it is a Christmas movie in the sense that it is it just gives me that Christmassy vibe. This this feels like this weirdly feels like the uh, format that would later get like bastardized by like Hallmark and all of like the the Christmas rom coms. I don't but, even watch those. Can't. But as far as the month of like the the holiday of Christmas goes, very little screen time overall in the in the running time of the movie because it's covering the whole year at the Holiday Inn for the most part. It kind of opens and closes the movie and then there's a whole lot of middle yes absolutely and that is it, it is kind of nice that like packaged bookends of christmas and christmas so we do get that and I, I totally agree but i like there's still something even though again like you said it's going through all these other holidays you have easter there's just because it's i mean literally it's the holiday season and we're watching all the holidays it's there's something very cozy about it and the the way they start the first christmas season with uh, Bing Crosby, Marjorie Reynolds kind of around the fire and he first shows her the song White Christmas. That is um, such a charming 
cozy, intimate moment. And it's really beautiful. And then the way it ends when she's singing White Christmas on set and she's, it's one of the most beautiful shots where they zoom in and obviously her acting out this holiday in scene within the movie and the movie is making her nostalgic and, and miss Bing Crosby's character and kind of, you know, regret maybe question mark, but it does, they do this beautiful close up of her and she just has one single tear, which the director in the film, in the film, uh, kind of tells her, you know, remember this is what you're doing, but it's, it's very clear that she's actually feeling those feelings. And mm. it's so beautiful that moment. And she picks up the pipe to ring the bells. And that's when she realizes like there wasn't a pipe on set and, and knows he's there. And it's just a beautiful, Christmassy feeling. Uh, yeah, I do love it. But one of my favorite, I mean, obviously White Christmas is um, the masterpiece it is. And um, I love the song Happy, Happy Holiday. And it's yeah. at their kind of New Year's uh, celebration, that that dress she's wearing. I want to talk about her New Year's dress because, okay. oh, you know me, I'm always going to pick out my favorite dress. <laughs> Holy shit. Like I, oh, I just, if I want that dress so bad. And they did such a beautiful job colorizing it and making it sparkle. And I love how they go in the kitchen and put like aprons on and just help yeah. serve. It, it reminds me of a lot of jobs I've done actually as an entertainer where you're just like, I'm doing <laughs> all of it. Um, but it's, uh, I love, I love that happy holidays song. And I have this really cool, like electro swing revise. I put it on my story actually the other day. Um, I'll, I'll try to put it on our podcast, uh, Instagram as well. So if y'all want to hear it, but I did a, aerial holiday act to that a lira act of course on did. one of my cruise ships so there's kind of another nostalgic like oh i love that the crazy life of gelsey Laurie is is at least 50 percent of the before my time with gelsey Laurie podcast is just like <laughs> what other wild thing did you do before you turned 30 <laughs> yeah you know travel the world got lit on fire hung from the ceiling danced in fishnets till they ripped dance on my feet until I they bled all the fun number surrounded by fireworks yet I haven't. Maybe, maybe I should make that happen next that's, week. I have like half perfect. my hair missing because I'm like, I got lit on fire and I like, did not go well. Um, like fried to Chucky at the end of the movie when she comes out of the oven. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but back to um, I'm going to bring this back to Fred Astaire real quick because we all know I just yeah. love him. But um, to talk about the workhorse that he is. His workload alone, he had three months of rehearsals preparing for this movie. He filmed for two months, and then he had a month after re-recording all of his dances just to get the audio. So when Fred Astaire would do all of his films and he would dance, you hear all the tapping. But the way that the sound and everything that picked up, they couldn't really pick up the taps within the actual take. So he would go back after, and this is for all his movies, he'd go back after and they would play the dance scene and he would have to tap along to hit every noise that would be syncing up with what he's already done. And they record that, which is just incredible. That blows. I did read that in his book and that uh, blew me away. Yeah, no, it's wild. Like he, yeah, he, I think I'm leaning on your side on the on the Fred the Fred Gene debate um, because I also so the one thing that Fred has over Bing Crosby in this movie is that they kind of there's that opening song where it's like I'll I'll win her over with my singing I'll win her over with my dancing type vibe and the implication in the song is that Bing Crosby is so good at singing but maybe not so great at dancing and then Fred Astaire is so good at dancing, but maybe not the best at singing. And I feel like that's only half true. I, I think that Bing Crosby I know as he's really singing good. very well. Yeah, like he's Bing singing Crosby very well about how he's a better dancer. I'm like, oh. exactly. Like 
Fred Astaire truly was that triple threat that could sing, yeah. dance, and could act. Whereas Bing Crosby was kind of always a singer who turned out to be quite a good actor. But like, mm -hmm. that's where the it's conversation. A mover. We call those singers who move in the entertainment world. Well, see, so you're teaching me all these entertainment phrases. Like now I know, I know that, yeah. that you're a, um, oh my God, I just blanked on it. No. Oh no. What am I? No. What are you at Disney? <laughs> Because you're not a cast member. You're a cast, a cast member of Disney. <laughs> yeah. No, but in New York City, you'll see auditions posted and they'll say dancers who can sing or it'll be singers who can dance or there'll be dancer, uh, singers who can move. These are all ways that they will post auditions so that you know if, if they're looking for, you know, if I'm a singer who can hit the incredible notes and I'm what we call a park and bark where I just literally park and sing and you're not dancing, that's a very different role than them looking for a singer who they're like, don't worry, the choreography is not going to be too intense. We just need to make sure that you can keep up, do some choreography and stuff. Or if it's a role that they're going, yeah, you need to hit that high C, but you need to be just as good as a dancer as the best dancer in our chorus. They all exist. And yeah, because there is even, like you said, I guess I never thought about it, but someone like Adele will say, I'm just pulling a random example, but someone like Adele can maybe go out there and sing her little heart out in the middle of the stage but maybe not be able to even do something as simple as, well, not as simple, but something like maybe, a I don't know, I've never seen any of these people live, but I imagine that Taylor Swift probably runs around the stage while singing versus then you have like <laughs> the next evolution of the pop star that's doing like the full-blown dance while also- Like full singing. choreography, yeah. yeah. And that's that's in the music industry and I'm specifically talking oh, even more about like Broadway. I'm in a different context, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you no, it's, there's all- You're singing while you're like, running back and forth and moving around is a skill that has mm -hmm. to be trained. Oh yeah. Running, running and singing is no joke. I've, I've had to do just that without dancing, but just running. And I was yeah, like, this is what you do as a cast member right now is, is running and talking and singing on. Yeah. Stage. I'm on a microphone and, and yelling at people while jumping around and being like, come on everyone, put your hands in the air. And That's actually where my voice is kind of gone. Hearing like, <sighs> <laughs> like... yeah no it's it's hard and um i'm also a spin instructor and so i have that same kind of breath support where it's i'm doing sprints with my class talking to them it's very difficult but the first time i was in the national tour of rock of ages and that was where i was in the it's a very small chorus there's only three girls in the chorus but um we danced i mean we i was yeah turning as many turns as I could and kicking my face and doing this. But we were also singing. I had my mic pack in my wig and came down and, you know, we had vocal rehearsals and had our parts and I was expected to sing the harmonies to motor in while giving a full dance routine. And it was very, the first time we did a full run, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but it's, it's just a stamina that you have to build. And I always think of like Mick Jagger is one of the most incredible yeah performers at that i mean though he just runs and i guess yeah there, there we go there's a there's a prime example pulling from things we've talked about maybe maybe chart that on one of the differences between mick jagger of the stones versus any of the beatles was the mick jagger was a mover he was a, he, he was he a, singer is a mover <laughs> and i will uh, watch him move all day well we do need to wrap it up unfortunately but how many more notes do you have we can we got five minutes can you hit them in five? Oh, okay let's see uh, yeah we can oh we can definitely do five i think i kind of hit all those major points he was drunk yes that um fun fact the director was mark sandrich and he directed almost all if probably all the fred and ginger movies so right. 
he knew what he was doing with these musicals he'd be done with that so that is great and um yeah the, the film had a very good reception it was very successful it was the highest grossing musical film musical at that time and there oh, were quite man. a few in the 30s so it really killed yeah i'm shocked I, I didn't know that i knew that it was like in the top 10 of the year um i didn't realize that it mm -hmm. at the time it was one of the highest charting musicals that's all awesome. yeah it yeah so uh, if you have well, not seen holiday Inn, go out and see it and uh tell us what you think yeah and thank you for introducing this into my life i don't know if it's You're gonna welcome. be like white christmas is like a yearly watch for me but i could see this being yeah. like an every year watch for me i i do this is a yearly watch like every year at the holidays i do watch white christmas and i always and this watch is one you grew up with too correct yeah yeah yeah, those 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 get you those yeah. <laughs> the ones that you that you grew up with they really get the they do. From you. all right well gelsey real quick before we bounce though there are quite a few eyes watching this live stream and hopefully they're also donating to big brothers big sisters of coastal and northern new jersey but is there anything you want to really quickly promote like maybe a podcast or where they can see you run around with a bunch of cast members in a disney park yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, let's just go ahead and promote what we are doing right here, our podcast, Before My Time with Gelsey Laurie. That's me. You can find us on any major platform that there is podcasting and find us also on Instagram at Before My Time underscore podcast or on Facebook. Just type in Before My Time. We will pop up. Say hey, say hi. If you've seen this movie, let us know what you think. If you haven't, watch it. Let us know what you think. You can also find me on Instagram at Gelsey Laurie. I post a lot of random stuff on there, mostly me uh, doing martial arts and high heels. So that's a fun time. If you're in Southern California and you happen to be at the Disneyland Resort, I am hosting a dance party at the Tomorrowland Terrace almost every night with your favorite Disney pal. So come check it out. Uh, DM us, say hey, let us know. And I hope you have a glorious holiday season. Thank you so much, Gelsey, for just not even just for being a great co-host, but being a great friend and doing your part to help out with this live stream. I know that it is a crazy time in the life of Gelsey Laurie. So you pulling some time to do this live uh, is much appreciated. No, I love this. This is such a great cause. And I'm part of the Big Brother Big Sister program myself. So oh. it really holds dear to my heart. Yeah. Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at hmnpodcast.com. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. 
You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. In the darkest corners of the internet, a nameless, formless entity has been growing. No one dares question where it was created or what it wants, but those who have been entranced by its musings chant its blood-curdling name in unison. Find Horror Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at hmnpodcast.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 